for reading that. <coughs> and thank you for being here today. I always appreciate being able to share um, these kinds of moments with you. We're on a, we're on a series where um, taking the Bible literally has done so much damage in our world. And you can't really blame people. They look in the English and they see this and they see sayings like, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to God, but through me. And they panic, you know, when you think you may go to hell or that somebody you love or care about might go to hell. Um, that gives you a lot of intensity. And sometimes that turns into cruelty, not even meaning to that fear-based religion becomes cruel by its nature. So we're looking at the I am sayings in John. These are, I believe, incredibly misunderstood. And we're looking at them as a kind of poetry. <clears throat> John gives us eight of these sayings. The church basically teaches one of the sayings, I'm the way, the truth, life, no one comes to God through me. But leave, leaves out what you do to the least of these you do to me. And all the other I am sayings. The reason this is important, I think, is that religion is different than science. It's different even than philosophy. It's not about beliefs. It's about a trust in the life process. It's a trust in love. It's trust in justice and dignity and these kinds of things. A lot of the words, if we could read them in the original Greek and Hebrew, <clears throat> particularly the Hebrew, <coughs> we wouldn't hear them as nouns. They're words like kingdom of God, son of God, that are much more like adverbs. Um, they would be an L-Y at the end of the word because they're talking about qualities in life. When religion isn't mythic, when there's, it's an experience of something that gives you great reverence, a sense of interconnectedness. It's more about the qualities of life that you feel than an actual seeing things that um, what uh, John is going to do in these sayings. And I've, I've mentioned before, he doesn't tell the parables in the same way. This is a parable, but <clears throat> for the most part, what he does is turn the parables into to teaching stories. And they sound like historical events, but they're intended to illumine, to awaken us, to take us deeper into our understanding. So what he does is use everyday experiences, everyday uh, parts of our life like bread. We looked at Jesus saying that when the sacred enters your life, it will be kind of like bread. It'll be something very ordinary, but it'll be something that fills you in a strange and wonderful way. And then the week after that, he said that um, the sacred enters our life sort of like light. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's speaking from this depth and saying that the religion that will free you needs to illumine your life. It shouldn't just be something you believe in. I mean, it shouldn't just be like you believe in a flashlight. The flashlight should make your life clearer. It should help you live your life and, and help you discover your own depths. So there's eight of these, and they're sort of like the facets on a diamond. And hopefully for the rest of this series, the umbrella will open more and more for you. And you'll get the poetry that what this is talking about is not some preposterous claim um, 
that, that you can't test, but a kind of uh, revelation of your own life that help you notice things that have always been true in your life. So today, Jesus is going to say, <clears throat> I am the gate. <clears throat> in other words, that the sacred enters our life, sort of like um, is using a door. The word can mean door or gate. But it's sort of that meeting place between opposites. That a, a gate is the opening on the inside and the outside. So Jesus is going to say that you're led into the the, the sheep, um, uh, a place of safety, but also out into the world. So it's it's putting together the opposites of going in and going out in religion. It, uh, it <clears throat> all of the opposites, fear and, and hope, um, the the need to be protected and the need to have adventure in life. The, the, this gate that's being talked about, the sacred kind of bring those things together. And I'll try to make that clear as we go. We've been using the paintings of Van Gogh to try to make this clear. So if uh, John, if you wouldn't mind putting up, obviously this doesn't have the color of the ones that we've been looking at. But uh, Van Gogh did a study of birds' nests. He got fascinated by that for a while. And these nests are things that both protect the young egg, but it also is sort of a launching pad that when the, the young animal finds its wings, <clears throat> this will be the place um, out, of watch it, out of which it finds power and flight. So it starts off as something that's protective, and yet it, it, it empowers. A couple of uh, quotes I wanted to share with you. I guess just one. I'll just do one. Van Gogh asked the question, what is a drawing? How does one learn it? It is working through an invisible wall, an invisible iron wall that seems to stand between what one feels and what one can do. That the paintings are a way to help us see. And thank you, John. You can take those down. Uh, <clears throat> But the, there's a lot less color there. They almost seem like cocoons to me to look at that. And that, that kind of sense of something that protects you until you're strong enough not to need it anymore. And religion should be like that, I think John is, is saying. The way that John tries to make this point is there's a, a healing that takes place on the Sabbath. A man has been uh, unable to see since he was born seeing impaired the image that's used or the word that's used is blindness and this is always a very dangerous image because you, you don't want to use disabilities as um, seen as flaws but what what jesus is saying in this story is not that the blind person has the problem the, the person may not be able to see they may be seeing impaired but but they have more vision um, than these religious bullies when you see religious characters in John, this is not a critique of Judaism. It's more critique of religious hierarchy in general. When a preacher or a priest 
takes up power. When we become the shepherds and you become the sheep, um, there's a sense in which we're robbing you. We're not giving you the same experience of empowerment that, that we have had. So almost comedically, John plays this out by having a person who's, who's been unable to see since they were born, be able to see, and because it happens on the Sabbath, the religious people get out of joint. Now, I don't think this really happened. I think John is putting together a teaching story, but it's certainly not um, an attack on Judaism. It's like John is using religious authorities throughout his book to illustrate what it means to misunderstand religion. That I think John is calling us out of the, the negative aspects of traditional religion. Obviously, he wouldn't write the book and give it to the church if he didn't believe in religion. But religion has danger. And so he's on these I am sayings, he's going to have to help us be able to tell the difference between healthy and unhealthy ideas of, of the sacred. The first week, he said, if it doesn't feed you, if it doesn't nour nourish you, then it's probably not the sacred. The second week, he said, if it's if it doesn't illumine your path, if it doesn't make your life clearer, that is probably not really sacred at all. And today, I think he's saying, if it doesn't put together the opposites, it's like usually in religion, religious bullies say either or, either God exists or God doesn't exist, either Jesus rose from the dead or Jesus didn't rose from the dead. And what this is saying is the sacred is almost always found in between those opposites in our life. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. The, the, the gate can do both. It can protect us and empower us. It can uh, give us some beliefs or at least symbols, but also encourage us to doubt and question. So as I say, these, these drawings that uh, <coughs> Van Gogh does, they look like cocoons to me. <coughs> and there's a sense, I think, of which John is saying, that religion that's healthy is a kind of cocoon. It protects you first because there are predators in religion. And there are a lot of wounded people walking planet Earth because of religious bullies. So Jesus calls them thieves and robbers. And this is, um, I'll, I'll get back to this in, in the next point. But th this is, is saying, um, when Jesus is, is trying to remind people that he didn't come to judge them, he says, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus is the one who knows their name. So he's saying that when religion is healthy, it leads you into life and it touches you personally. It's not generic, right? You're not just being asked to believe something or do something. It's bringing out, it's like a cocoon that a butterfly is going to, come out of and that that is your your real self your deeper self so religion has to take us <clears throat> when we're frightened and wounded and strengthen us and keep us safe until we can outgrow that but a religion that won't let you outgrow it a religion that always makes jesus your boss is not what jesus came to give you 
Jesus came to empower you that you might bring love and justice into your own time and into your own world. So it takes us in when we're frightened and wounded, heals us, restores us, and sends us out into the world. It helps us discover our own wings. So the first thing that the gate does, these opposites that it puts together are our hopes and our fears. I love Van Gogh's quote where he says, I had a very hard life and his painting was an expression of that. He was trying to express uh, a deep truth. He said, so instead of giving way to despair, I took the way of active melancholy. As long as I had strength for activity, or in other words, I preferred the melancholy that hopes and aspires and searches to the one that despairs, mournful and stagnant. In other words, the grief and pain, it, it didn't, his, his art was not denying that any of that took place. The, the painting day is, is fairly dreary, but he's saying something is born out of that. And I, I love that idea of choosing active melancholy, that when you're sad, you don't have to pretend that that's not true for you. He said, although I'm often in the depths of despair, there is still calmness, pure harmony, and music within me. So the trust is not that life will happen the way we want it to, but something important is being born out of us, even in our suffering. So the first thing, I think the gay opposites brought together, um, it needs to protect us, but it also needs to empower us. <clears throat> the second thing is um, it needs to be a boot camp for shepherds that um, I, I never like it when people call you the flock or call me the shepherd. Uh, that desire to dominate other people uh, leads a lot of people into religion. And also the desire to surrender responsibility draws a lot of people into religion. So again, Jesus is saying that all the people that came before me, and he's exaggerating here, all the people that came before me were thieves and robbers. What he's saying is when people have been lost in their tradition, when they've been taught lessons by Sunday school teachers that nobody that didn't understand the text or, or taught by preachers or priests who didn't understand. Then in a sense, that religion robs you of who you are. I, I heard a critic of Christianity one time say that the good shepherd is the butcher's best friend. By that, if, if religion is only setting you up, to go into the dog-eat-dog -dog world of the way things are. If it's not calling you out of that, that the word church means, is ecclesia, it means to be called out of. Systems of domination, systems of economic hoarding. All of these things Jesus was calling people out of because there can't be love in a world of injustice. So he's kind of harsh here and he calls people thieves and robbers. He asks the person that was healed, if they believe in the son of God, that's the, the Greek word there. But again, it's an, it, it should be an adverb. If this was a woman, it could be the daughter of God. Um, Jesus is becoming an example for every human being of our own roots into the sacred. He recognized himself as this expression of the sacred, <clears throat> but what he's trying to do is teach you that you are an offspring, you are an emanation, you are an example of whatever the sacred creativity is. 
So in this parable, Jesus says that <coughs> the true teacher will call you by name. <coughs> and I think what that means is when you hear this kind of truth, something will resonate inside of you. That you will feel like this is something you've known your whole life. And that religion that you had been taught before was sort of a distraction from the reason that you became religious in the first place, which was to find out the meaning of your life, the purpose, what is the gift that you uniquely have to give. So he says that the, the, the good shepherd calls us by name. So the second thing this boot camp does first is, is bridging our, our hopes and fears. And as I say, the second one is, is protecting us and empowering us. Then the third thing um, that we need to to learn is um, this idea of of being able to see uh, that our beliefs are no more helpful than our doubts that that they are both very helpful um, the, this parable of somebody being born blind um, and yet having more vision than religious leaders is a warning. It's helping us realize that our beliefs are important, but our doubts are just as important. The gate is the meeting of those two things. And what you experience there is awareness. And if you realize that belief and doubt are both aspects of awareness, that what Jesus is trying to give us is a kind of awakening. A couple of weeks back, the story begins just mentioning that it's dawn. John is painting a tapestry here that Jesus isn't coming to take away your sense of self-determination. If Jesus did that, he would be a thief. If somebody tells you what to think, they've robbed your brain. If somebody tells you what to do, they've robbed you of your will. If somebody tells you who you can love and who you can't love, then they've robbed you of, of your heart. So th this is, sounds like very harsh language to realize that it's mythological. I think is very important. Jesus isn't attacking real people. This is John is writing a hundred years after Jesus is born. So it's meant for you. And it's not trying to teach you ideas that you have to believe in. It's more like a magnifying glass that looks around and says, look at your life. What feeds you? The sacred is something like bread. Look around you. What illumines your life? That's you're touching the sacred. And today he's saying, what is it that falls in between your opposites of yes and no, of, of having life that's um, insiders and outsiders? Um. The idea that Jesus is the only way, um, certainly universal love, like he taught, is the only way. <coughs> but he wouldn't have had to have eight I am sayings if that's what he was trying to say. Hopefully the umbrella of what John is trying to do and give us is opening up for you because he's trying to teach transcendence. And he's using ordinary parts of the life in the ancient world. <coughs> I, I doubt that most of you have raised sheep. So this is probably not uh, completely helpful. So I didn't go into that part of it, but you have known gates and you have um, had beliefs and doubts and hopes and fears. 
and uh, so basically what it's saying is the sacred as it enters your life will be something beyond your either or it it's both inside and outside it's a cocoon that takes you in um, to help you find your own courage to help you find your own wings it's the gate between your hopes and your fears and then it it, it true religion isn't something that fills your head with beliefs it's more like a womb for awareness it's between the either or of your beliefs and doubts, this birth of awareness. And finally, <coughs> the gate um, is, is that place between our need for uh, safety and our need for adventure. It's, um, it protects us and it empowers us. It's a boot camp for shepherds. Uh, it takes us in when we're, when we're frightened and wounded sheep. But it calls us out into the world, not as sheep, but as shepherds. And it's a way of life. We all get wounded. We have to go back again. But it's an eternal spiral where when we're weak, we can be sheep. When we're healed, we can be shepherds. I want to close with a quote by Helen Keller. We talked about Helen Keller today in class. She said, Every one of us is blind and deaf until our eyes are opened to our human family, until our ears hear the voice of humanity. I think that's what our passage is saying. She said, the best things in life are unseen. That's when we close our eyes, when we kiss, cry, and dream. And that's part of what our passage is. And then finally this. Observers in the full enjoyment of their bodily senses pity me. People looked at Helen Keller and felt sorry for her. She said, but that it is because they do not see the golden chamber in my life where I dwell, delighted. For dark as my path may seem to them, I carry a magic light in my heart. Faith, the spiritual strong searchlight, illumines the way. And although sinister thoughts lurk in the shadow, I walk unafraid toward the enchanted wood where the foliage is always green, where joy abides, where nightingales nest and sing, and where life and death are one in the presence of God. Well, this is my attempt to understand John's word. We'll, we'll take a minute for you to consider how you understand them. Thank you for your attention.